Welcome back to the Back in the Middle podcast after another Sunderland game, this time on a Monday night, and it was absolutely bombic at the stadium light for anyone that was brave enough to actually be there. Um, 2-1 defeat at home to West Brom, another game that was on Sky. I think that was the 12th time in the, uh, so far this season that we have been on Sky. Um, and obviously, as always, we'll get through what happened during the game, the team selection, the substitutes and whatnot, and notable omissions from the squad as well. Only one, I suppose, um, possibly two, if you want to include Dan Ballard, who obviously featured for the under-21s yesterday, I think it was, um, yesterday afternoon. But first and foremost, John, probably a phrase that could describe quite a few games this season, Burnley, um, QPR, the list goes on, but a game of two halves. Yeah, very much so. Um, first half, I think we were, we were really good. We were... You know, we sort of pressed them really well and weren't letting them out. And even though I think they passed the ball well at the back, you know, I, th- I really think we backed them into a, a corner, forced them into mistakes. Um, and yeah, obviously got a deserved lead. Probably missed out with, you know, you've got to put that down to a fantastic save, I think, from Pritchard. Um, yeah. I think if we go in 2-0, um, I think the game's almost sort of won. And you're always thinking then what, you know, what are we going to be like? And then, you know, we don't get, this season, many 90 minute performances. And then second half, it, like you say, it was, it was totally chalk and cheese. You know, we, we sat off them. And if, if you sit off and it, you know, we've seen the argument, any championship team, you, you sit off, they will, they have got the quality to, to do something against you. And that's, that's exactly what we saw. Um, yeah. You know, for, for me, it's, there's a few things there that sort of really annoyed me, you know, not stopping crosses. That's not just last night. That's seems to be every single game that we're too, you know, we don't deal crosses very well. So, you know, why, why don't we try and shut them down, you know, and stop, stop the supply. That's, that's the idea, but you know, we, we don't seem to do that. And, you know, we, we caused our own problems. I think don't get me wrong. West Brom were a very, even though their their league position is is quite low down, you know, to me second half they they looked alright. But I think to be fair, we you know we we let them look alright. Yeah, I think Morbury said it after the game, and you said it just before, Michael. That West Brom are a better team than the table suggests. It was one of them games that you look at the league table, Sunderland win, they go up to seventh. West Brom, you know, I think in that well prior to the game, I think they were in the bottom three. Um, so you know, if you look at the league table, you think well that's the game you should be winning, especially at home. But with how tight the league is, you look at some of the players that West Brom have got. You know, Grady Diangana wasn't even playing. He's, you know, been playing Premier League football. Jed Wallace, who um, obviously signed Flem on a free transfer. John Swift as well, two of the best players in the league, really. And they managed to get them on free transfers, albeit probably on massive wages. It was a weird game going into because, like I say, some people will expect a win. But it was always going to be a lot tougher than some people probably imagined. Exactly, and I was very keen to emphasise this point that, I mean, don't get me wrong, I think we all fall into the trap sometimes of looking at a team's lead position, and let's be, for me, and I've said, I know you guys are probably sick of me saying this, but I'll say it again, the only reason that West Brom are down there is because how's the bacon did you say manage them? But it, only because Steve Bruce was there is the only reason that they were anywhere near the bottom three, because the team they've got, as you've just mentioned, should not be, are not bottom three standards, and I think that if Steve Bruce was still there, um, I could have maybe backed us to beat them, but I, I always felt last night's game at the time of recording was going to be tougher than a lot of people said. I think, again, too many people made the simple mistake of looking at the leapers, league table and assuming that we should be beating them because, unfortunately, that's not how it works. If, if, if the game ended at half-time, it would have been nice. But the point is, West Brom are not... I'll be very pleased with it. West Brom, for me, will not be anywhere near the relegation yeah. battle in about three months' time. Nowhere near it. 
Yeah. Um, on to the first half, John. Obviously, like we say, a game of two halves, Sunderland probably the better side in the first, and we'll get on to the second, but that was a completely different story. We started the game fairly well, moved the ball, pressing, you know, from the front, didn't really give West Brom any time to, you know, find them lines of passing, which obviously was the kind of main downfall of us in the second half. But looking at the first 45 as a whole, obviously we'll get on to the goal and, and how that came about, but it was a pretty solid first half from Sunderland. Yeah, it was. Yeah, and you know, you, you've got you've got to have that. I think when you're you're playing at home, you know, regardless of of the opposition, I think it shows you if we if we play really really well in the first half, you know that that absolutely hinders them from doing anything. And obviously, we'll we'll talk about the second half. You know, the second half we we drop off and then we let them into the game. The first half is how you want. You know, we we've almost beaten ourselves by by dropping off and dropping those standards. Um, because like we say, the pressing was really good. I think Patterson didn't have to do too much um, in the first half. I thought we, we passed the ball around fantastically at times. And, you know, even the, the way we sort of like played around them, you know, we, we got the penalty through our centre-back, you know, bursting forward, making a run into the box, a good little interchange. And that's, that's how we win the penalty. You know, that's how stretched we had them, that we were able to release, you know, Luka 9 into, into their penalty area. Um, and yeah, t- totally dominant. Um, you know, that they could have been a little bit more clinical if if they'd been a little bit more, you know, ruthless. Um, or like like we said, Pritchard's one was was probably the turning point. You go in two 0 up, and it's they're very much going to think, and we've we've never come back. You know, in I think it was about ninety games, they yeah. haven't come back and, and won from being a, a goal down. So you know, two two goals is is obviously better than one, and that helps us in the second half. You know. To keep to keep it tight, pick them off, which we can do. But um, first half, we couldn't really have any complaints, barring you know the one goal, uh, barring more goals. Sorry. Yeah, and obviously we did win that penalty, Michael. I don't think anyone can have too many questions about whether it was a foul or not. And I think that's the first penalty we've had this season. It's the first penalty we've had since Cambridge at home at the end of last year. Yeah. Uh, so I mean. It's nice. Well, I mean, I've seen, I mean, the one, I mean, obviously I think it definitely was a penalty, but obviously it just brings me back to the penalty that we should have had at Blackburn before Baron Brown Diaz scored. And it just makes me think that I've said all along that I've always felt of our players got to have their legs broken in the box in order to get a penalty. Um, but thankfully, I think the first thing I shouted when, when, when the penalty was given, like about time we actually get a penalty. I was yeah. that astonished that we ended up getting one because I've been used to referees just waving any penalty appeals we have away. And I know it's not just a Sunderland thing. Obviously, I know a lot of teams will have these moments where they feel aggrieved because of a lack of a decision in their favour. But yeah, that was, you're right, that's the first time we've had a penalty this season. And um, I think, a penalties, do penalties count as set pieces? Because mm, obviously, I think if not, then we still haven't scored a goal from a set yeah. piece, have we yet? But um, if it is, then that's the first goal we scored from a set piece. I don't know. But yeah, yeah. It, was, it was nice for once to actually get a spot kick. Yeah, and obviously it was Ahmad that took it. It was Ahmad that won it as well, John. He scores it, fifth goal of the season. I think he's now actually our joint top scorer um, alongside Sims and Stewart with five, if I'm not mistaken. He yes, has... you are, because I watched the coverage back this morning and they said it's five goals, yeah. Yeah, so, you know, he's a player that obviously he signed for Man United, massive hopes, didn't really cut it there, went to Rangers, didn't do much there. He's come to Sunderland, had a slow start, but, you know, granted this from the penalty spot, you probably expect your players to score from there, but, you know, to win the penalty in the first place, to have that confidence to get in the box, get across as a man is something that, you know, will only continue to go as the season goes on. 
Yeah, definitely. You know, he's we've got to remember he's he's a very very you know young kid. He's obviously come from I know he's at Man United, but he's come from Italy. Um, I think he's been at Italy himself. Uh, and you you know you you've got to give him give him time, and I think eventually you will. You know, you know he's got the quality. You know, he's he looks a fantastic player. You know, his some of his touches are are unreal. There's you know, barring we get promoted, I don't know if there's any chance we'll see him again. Um, Agreed. Next season, yeah. which is uh, you know a shame. You know, fall in love with a lone player and then send him off, and then probably come back and, and score against you and, and not celebrate. You know, those types of things. But he's very much a luxury player. And like Mowbray said, he's keeping out. You know, Patrick Roberts, and it's it's almost a shame. With you know, we might touch on this later. You know, with with Jack Clark almost dropping off form a little bit, we can't sort of short shoot Diallo and you know Patrick Roberts into the into the same team. You know, with with a Ross Stewart, you know, up front or or Sims up front, it's, it's that's a little bit of a frustration. But yeah, in terms of in terms of Diallo, just you know, he's, he's probably the best player in the league at the moment. He's he's just fantastic, and I think the only way is is up for him. Yeah. And as John said before, Michael, we did have another chance, well, one more big chance at least in the first half to make it two deals just before the end that, you know, ball in into Sims, he's flicked it off to Pritchard and it's a very good save from Palmer. Um, I wouldn't say to sit there, it's, it's not a bad miss, it's just a very good save. But like John says there, if you go into halftime 2-0 up, it's a completely different game because, you know, if West Brom come out how they did in the second half and we come out the way we did in the second half, if West Brom do get that first goal, gives you that little bit of margin for error to then think, right, what do we need to change here? Let's get some subs on, let's change the game, change the shape, which we did, but we did it at 1-1, which is ultimately what cost us the game. Yeah, um, I mean, obviously, that big moment with Pritchard that you both alluded to, it's, it's a big one, because, I mean, I'm really from there, I'm disappointed, that, I mean, Pritchard would be disappointed he didn't score, although, albeit, it's a very key save. Um, but I think, on the whole, Going in at half time, only one nil. Obviously, there's always there's always that bit of caution, isn't there? There's always that bit of um, what's what I'm looking for. Next goal really changes the game at that point. And with West Brom getting the ascendancy in the second half at one one, then all of a sudden the game it's it's a very much a fifty fifty balance of who's good, who, which of which favour the game's going to go in. Um, so I mean, have we gone in two nil? I still wouldn't have been fully confident of winning because I think twice we've been in two nil and winning two nil at half time, and we still haven't ended up winning the game, but. Yeah, I know what you mean. 2-0, especially with West Brom's record, like John said, and psychologically that would have played into it a lot more. Yeah, and obviously it depends what cliche you want to stick to. Some people say the first goal is the most important in the game. Some people will say the second, and I think I'd probably go with the latter, John, that the second goal is, you know, obviously depending on the timing of the of the goal and when it comes around, but in this game particularly, it is the second goal that really shaped the game, because obviously it was West Brom that equalised, and like you said right at the start, it all stems from not crossing, from not stopping the crosses. The ball comes in, we sort of deal with it a little bit, get a deflection on it, it falls to the edge of the box too, I think it's Rodic, um, completely unmarked, no one really pressing it, and it's a good finish in the end, but you know the amount of space he had, the amount of time he had is something that we'll, I imagine Tony Mowbray in there and this squad will probably look at. Yeah, um, you know, that, that Jim Wallace guy, is you know a fantastic cross with the ball, and, and he was sort of whipping them right across you know our six yard line. So I think you know instead of us shutting it down, you know we, we were letting him do it, 
And then because they just kept coming in, we were so reverted to the six-yard line because it was just causing chaos. I don't think we dealt with them too well. They were sort of going across or just being missed or, you know, flicked out for, for a corner. So I think then you see on the first goal that everyone then is panicking and that everyone is like just inside the six-yard box. Then when the ball does break, to be fair, there's, I don't know who it was, you know, holds off our our defender and they've got sort of two or three on the box ready to shoot. And if, you know, if you could get into a corner, I think uh, Elise and O'Nine tried to block it. But if you get in the corner, Patterson's just stranded. And that's, you know, I think you've got to be looking at your, you know, your Pritchards and your, you know, Cole Evans and Dan Nils and saying, why is, why is no one on that, you know, edge of the box? Because to be fair, the rest of the game, they, you know, most of course they were there. But on that one, you know, we just seem to, to get caught out. And like we said, teams in this league will punish you. Um, you know, any any given thing. But ultimately, it comes from stopping the cross and we just did not do it. And it, to be fair, the, the rest of the game just kept getting worse. You know, I think there was a passage where, um, you know, just I think it was actually on that goal and, that you know, our defenders are just sort of trudging and you think just, even if you give away a foul, you know, I don't, you know, obviously we're talking about stopping crosses and that's, that's an easy cross if they do put a foul. But, you know, let's have a bit of desire there. You know, I saw Jack Clark sort of trudging back. I don't think Elise was... You know, his, his strongest circuit didn't really have, I don't think his, his defending's that great anyway. Um, so it was, you know, with all, th- all three of those there, I wasn't I wasn't impressed at all. And we didn't, you know, Mowbray can say, oh, we, we brought a circuit on to sort of count of Wallace and, um, you know, having Embleton there as well. I don't really think, you know, any of them did did themselves any justice. And then, like I say, we get we get punished um, on from that cross. Yeah. And obviously the second goal, very similar, Michael, which we'll obviously get onto shortly. But just after that goal, we did make, I think it was, what was the first change? I think Dan Neal came off a circuit and we went to a back five, kind of a 5-4-1 Pritchard and Evans as the centre midfielders. And I'm sure Mowbray will have his reasoning for that. And, you know, there'll be a lot more thought behind it than you can probably see, you know, after a defeat. But at the time, it just that just seemed like a strange kind of substitute and change change of shape to make because the main thing I think when you look at the second half that you know kind of cost us the game is we just couldn't get out of our own half you know every time we got the ball there was no options on it we ended up losing it West Brom came straight back at us and taking off that midfielder put an extra defender on just seemed to add to that kind of inviting pressure on even more. It seemed to unbalance us even more than what we already were at that point and well, for me, I still firmly stand by that. I think the players are just as culpable. Mowbray has to face questions over the the substitutions at the timing that I know obviously you'll get onto the rest of them, I'm sure. But the the, the timing of the subs, the subs he made, some of them were very, very baffling to me. Um, and so at some point, even later on in the game, they just look very desperate. But to go at the point you're making, yeah, the, the, the sub he made at 1-1, I think you're taking off Dan Neal and you're shoehorning Pritchard into a midfield role. That's not his game. That is not his game. He's better going forward. He doesn't have the... I'm not saying he doesn't have the desire, but he, do, he doesn't have the physicality for me to play that deeper role. Sorry, you were going to say something I interrupted. No, just keep going, keep going, keep going. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> um, yeah, no, but it, it did change the shape. And I said at the time, I hope we're not going to a back five, but obviously, yeah. evidently, we were going to a back five. And that just didn't, and all that seemed to do was just, inv- I mean, it's easy to say now in hindsight, of course it is. But all that seemed to do was just invite West Brom on even more. And the fact we were sitting further and further back, the fact that we were inviting more crosses into the box and not stopping them adequately enough, the fact that we were we were just dropping off and not being able to get into our passing rhythm, we were just, just we just were just, I don't know what it was, we were just off. And yeah. I suppose when you bear that in mind, West Brom's goals were probably coming. 
Yeah, and obviously think, the second goal. Go on, I go think on. just just touching up on on those points, you, you, I think you do see when when Daniel comes off for Serkin, Serkin just sort of runs on, um, you know, and obviously there's you know because I thought more well, maybe they'll push Elise into the middle, but mm. you see Pritchard sort of running over to Serkin and throwing his hands in there as if saying, well, what are we doing? Then obviously Serkin passes on and says, well, you you're going to have to obviously drop in, and then after that is where the problem lies because then you, you've then got Ellis Sims trying to press and he goes and presses. They pass it around him. He turns behind. There's no one behind him. And that was what, you know, that was the difference in the first half of us pressing them really high, which is what Pritchard and, you know, a another plus Sims, you know, when they, when they trigger it and it did work, you know, we've, we've messed around with the team. We've sat in and they're, you know, I know that they were controlling the game, but we, we stopped them through the press. Ellis Sims had turned around and thrown his arms in there and say, you know, where the fuck is everyone? You know, sorry, you know, sorry for swearing, but that's that's the gist that he's doing it. So we're just inviting pressure on. And when you do that, ultimately we're, you know, we, we can't deal with it. We can't get out. We can't control the game. We can't pass the ball. You know, and it's it it just it just seems so so, you know, messy, you know, just you know, you're Pritchard. You should know when a substitute is made, you know, nine times out of ten, you should know what's happening, where we're we going, or you know, the, the coaching staff, you know, Dodds and Proctor on the silence and Pritchard, no, you've got to drop back. But you see him throwing his hands in the air. So like, what, what are we doing? Why are we, why are we, and even he's probably saying, why are we sitting back? And that ultimately for me just, just killed us. Yeah. And obviously in that second half, Michael, there was another penalty shout, which I'm just quite frankly going to say was never a penalty. Um, and yeah. the second goal, people asking whether the ball had crossed the line. I don't think it had. Um, and I think, you know, the, if you've seen, the, I think it was the Japan game in the World Cup, um, the goal that was given or not given, was it given or not given? I can't remember. Um, but either way, it was a very similar one where the ball from a certain angle looks like it's over the line, but of course you've got the overhang on the line. Um, I don't think it was out, but the ball comes in from that kind of wide area, again from Wallace, I think it was. We don't deal with the cross, and for how good he's been this season, Anthony Patterson, you've got to question him for that second goal. Yeah, mixture of all things. Um I think at one point at live, it looked like the ball had crossed the line, but that's just like from one angle in the stadium, so it's hard to really gauge yeah. it properly. But when you look at the the camera angles, yeah, okay, the whole ball, there was probably like a tenth of the ball that was still on the line, which I think the letter of the law is if that the whole ball has to be across the line for it to be given as a throw-in. Yeah. Um, uh, Patterson's positioning was a bit questionable. I would question... I mean, the thing I would question just as much there is how come... How come when, as soon as the ball's coming in, I noticed it, I think, it's, uh, is it Dyke or Dyke? I don't know how you pronounce his name. But yeah. he had basically a free header. He basically had a free run and a free header. And while Patterson, I think, could be doing better there, certainly, and staying on his line, potentially, I just think, I think I looked at all nine. I think I think we're just ball watching. As the ball comes into the box, mm. we're ball watching and not tracking the run of Dyke properly. And it, yeah, okay, he might still have won the header because he looked taller than both all nine and Bart, or at least as tall as Bart. But yeah, all around, it was just a very, very pathetic goal to concede. Yeah. Um, well, obviously, did finish 2-1, John, and you know, there was booze after the game, which I think was somewhat reactionary. People have their own opinions on that and whatnot. But it's still, you know, you look at potentially missed opportunity to move up the table. You know, we could have been seventh, and I think within a point or, or within three points of, of the playoffs, I think we're still four points away now as it is with, you know, some favourable fixtures coming up, which we'll get onto just before we wrap it up. It's It's not all bad, like some people would have you believe. No, it's not all bad, you know, but it's, I think it's, it's the, fr- the frustrating thing, well, especially for me, is you see the first half and you see how well we dealt with West Brom. 
you know, and, and to be fair, West Brom are what you'd call, you know, a relatively mediocre seasoned championship team. You know, they've yeah. got a lot of players who have played in that league, know that league, you know, blah, 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 blah. But, um, yeah, like I said, the frustrating thing is we we do it so well for 45 minutes. What You know, why did it drop off? Why did it change? You know, that's the frustrating thing. There's, you know, and a lot of other factors, you know, are in there. I thought, you know, I think sometimes we do lack a bit more seniority type leadership. You know, we've got so many young players in there. You know, is it is it affecting affecting us somehow, you know, to, to see out games and keep that real consistency? Um, you know, I think I think with January around the corner, I think there's some big decisions on some, you know, we'll we'll probably come onto the roster thing. You know, um, obviously we need, you know, an, another striker. We, you know, if we're not going to play Jay Matete, then we need to get him out on loan. We need to get Trey Hume out on loan. We need to get Huggins out on loan if these players are, you know, m- money's tight by all accounts. So we need to get these players out on loan so that we can bring in, you know, some e- experienced players into this team. Because I, th- I don't think we're far away and it's almost... Again, this is probably just me. I don't know if it's almost, you know, when when Mowbray comes out and says, "Well, we was in League One last year," and that, and it's, yeah, that's that's fine. And yes, we've come a long a long way in a short space of time. But because we're meeting standards at some point, you know, it's are we not allowed to expect, you know, a little bit more? I definitely think if we'd have had a full strength squad, I know that doesn't always happen. I think we'd definitely be in and around the playoffs, sort of like solidified you know we we haven't been absolutely smashed in games barring maybe you know Burnley's second half but even then it was you know first half we were fantastic it's it's just can we find those tweaks to the consistency and, and do the club really you know want to push I, I don't get the feeling they do I think they still want to sit in the league you know and and just sort of you know consolidate for maybe a season or two and and build and can we get you know sort of big money for a couple of players, reinvest that and then the club looks better sort of all round and we're doing it the right way. It almost seems a little bit that, which is which is fine. Um, but, you know, it, like we say, it, the, the frustration is is there for me that if we were, you know, because we've only, I think once we've won two games in a row, you know, this this could have been another one. You're thinking, oh my God, even I thought yesterday we won them up. Wow, this could be three games. And that's that's quite a weird thing to think of that, you know, for such what we'd call a, a good, decent championship team, is we can't string, you know, sort of free, you know, free wins together. That's that's the frustrating thing. Again, the home forms another another one. Can we not? Can we not do it? You know, we seem to be a very much an away team to sit in, you know, pick teams off and then sort of spring them. We're, we're very good at that. But the onus on us at home for ninety minutes, we we seem to struggle. You know, I'm I'm probably ranting a little bit here, but it's it's just one of those. It's just a a, a frustrating one for me. Just to kind yeah. of add on to that, I think one of the biggest things from this, I mean, it might be down to the fact we are a younger team. The one thing that I think does definitely need to improve is the home form. Because I think mm-hmm. while on the whole, I think performances haven't been bad. I mean, obviously, second half yesterday, second half against Burnley, probably against Coventry, the first hour or so of the Cardiff game, they're the exceptions where performances have actually not been that bad. But we've only won, is it three games this season um, at the Stadium of Light? And obviously, two of them were against teams that came up with us. So... Yeah. Although, again, I don't think we've... Uh, we're obviously, all round, we're still in a decent position. But for me, that that has to improve. And one thing I have noticed, and it is starting to get slightly concerning, although not to... It's something to be wary of, I think, is that I think four times this season we've been ahead at half-time at the Stadium of Light, and two of them have drawn and two have lost. We were 1-0 up against Coventry at the break, drew. 2-0 uh, up against QPR, drew. 2-0 uh, up against Burnley, lost. And 1-0 up last night and lost. Um, so that's definitely something to um, to be wary of. But 
just to touch another thing on the point John made, I think obviously Tony Mowbray's comment about the West Brom thing and League One and all that, that was worded poorly. Uh, I will concede that. I think a lot of people took that a bit out of context, but I do kind of get why it annoyed people. I think at the same time, is the frustration because expectations increased. Um, for me, that might be down to it to an extent, because I'd imagine at the start of the season, we would have more people than not would have snapped your hand off for the position we're in now. But I yeah. suppose expectations reach be, uh, risen a bit because, put it bluntly, the league hasn't been that good. Yeah, that's a fair point. But we'll move on to three of the best, which is probably going to be a bit harder than it was last week. John, starting with you for your third best from Sunderland. Oh, tough one, that. I'd, probably, I'd probably go for Corey Evans. Well, I'm mainly basing this on the first half, but yeah, Corey Evans, I thought the first half was very, very good in the tackle. Um, and I think that did break up a lot of their attacks when we were able to to win the ball back and you sort of get it forward really quick. So yeah, I'd, I'd probably go Corey Evans. Dropped off a little bit second half, but I think we were sort of what you'd call overrun or, you know, the ball was out wide a lot so sort of like passed him by but yeah certainly first half I'd probably go Corey Evans yeah Michael third for you I told you before I come on I had two of my players sorted but I forgot yeah. to do it third <laughs> second first all yeah uh, um, okay uh, just to be different although I think he was at fault for the winning goal to an extent Luke 9 I think Luke 9 is someone that just uh, got, got the tackling when he needed it and was uh, based on the first half was solid enough so I suppose if you're throwing three of the best we're basing this off the first 45 minutes aren't we really um, yeah, Luke or nine for me, but I wouldn't begrudge Corey Evans being in there, to be fair. Yeah. Um, second, John. Um, I'd probably go with Luke nine for my one. Um, yeah, I thought he was, I thought he was, again, especially first half, I thought he was absolutely solid. I thought he, he got held off a little bit too easy for the first goal, I think, and the second goal, I think. I think Patterson's trying to make one of those two go for the ball. You know, and if they do, they, he doesn't really get a free header. Um, yes, again, it's, it's quite a tough one. But um, yeah, first half, I'll probably say say oh nine. There's not many, um, unfortunately. Yeah, Michael. Second for me was probably Alex Pritchard. I thought Pritchard in the first half was one of his better um, displays. As of recently, I think he was linking up play well. He was getting all about the pitch and was just trying to make that transition from midfield to attack. So. Um, Maybe some popular opinion. I don't know. I can't really be bothered. But um, yeah, for me, Alex Pritchard, I think certainly first half was good. And second half, really, when he had to, you're not, I'm not expecting much from him when he has to play in a deeper role than he really should be. Yeah, that's fair. And first, last but not least, John, best player for Sunderland last night. Um, I, th- I think for me, I think Ahmad Diallo. Yeah. Um, as he wins the penalty, scores the penalty, really confident one, you know, and. We talk about Harry Kane, you yeah. know, the second penalty. I think if Diallo wins the second penalty, it wasn't a penalty, obviously, but you know, if it was, I'd, I'd very much expect him to, to go and bang that one in. Um, but yeah, I just thought some of his touches and his, his runs were, like we say, an absolute pass above. I, again, my, my frustration would be second half. Why we don't just get the ball to him? It should be as, as soon as you get the ball down, Neil Corey Evans, put on look for Diallo because he was taking on two, three, four players. And if you're doing yeah. that and getting past him, which he was, someone else has got to be in space somewhere, and that's that's the frustrating thing. Uh, yeah. But yeah, for for you know the majority of the game, I thought he was he was definitely the best player for me anyway. Yeah, and I imagine it's probably a similar story for you, Michael. You would imagine correctly. 
um, Diallo certainly top and yeah, the first half was, and you can tell when I can tell now when watching Diallo when a confident Ahmad Diallo's playing, there's he's going to be one of the better players in the division, and he's just got he's just so direct. He's got good feet. He's good. He's got pace about him. Obviously, there's still things he needs to work on, but we all know that. Um, and I suppose the main frustration for me, as alluded to what John said, but it's an unfortunate one, is that unless we get promoted, there's not a hope in hell he's here next season. And that's fair enough. He wants to be better than the championship, so. Just enjoy him for the next five, six months while he's here. But yeah, I think Diallo, you're right, is on five goals now. Wouldn't bet against him finishing well into double figures if he keeps this up. Yeah, well, hopefully it is five or six months and not five or six weeks, which is a possibility. That's um, a good point, actually. Yes, hopefully five, six months then. Yeah, hopefully it is. Um, last but not least, obviously, Hull is the next game on Saturday. I think that's on Sky, but not on the main channel. I think it's on the red button. Um, a game that Sunderland need to not lose in at least i think is the absolute minimum from this one and like i said right at the start some favorable fixtures coming up you've got blackpool you've got wigan you've got obviously hull on saturday um, and i said before the games including west brom i think you're looking at really a minimum of of five points and obviously that five points is now going to have to come in the shape of you know a win and two draws whether that be a win against hull and a draw against wigan and blackpool yet to be seen but it's going to be an interesting game to see how we react, how we play away from home compared to um, how we did against West Brom, whether we can put the performance in over the full 90 minutes as opposed to just the 45. But just before we do wrap up, Michael, predictions for that game? Well, obviously, we've had debates in our group chat about which games we feel we need to be getting results in. And while I said West Brom will be tricky and they won't be down there, I think Hull are much more likely to be there. Um, yeah. So for me, I'd be more annoyed not to win this game. Um, but it doesn't mean we will. You never know. We could get someone sent off. So, roundabout way, I'll go 3 1 Sunderland. I do, because we are better away from home. And I think Hull, I think, is the state of things at Hull not great at the moment with ownership and stadium and all that? Or am um, I making that up? I couldn't tell you one way or another. Well, well let's pretend they are for argument's sake. Um, if, they, if they are, I mean, look, either way, just go and frustrate the crowd and make get, get them edgy, like what a lot of teams try to do to us. Um, and I think. If they come at us, then I think we have got the place to pick them off. So I'll go three one to us. Yeah, and John, I just I ultimately I'll just take a win. Um, I don't think there'll be too many goals in there. I'd, I'd like to say one or two nil Sunderland score probably, you know, sort of first half, and then maybe catch them on the break second half. Um, but yeah, obviously our form is very, very patchy at the minute, and I think you you're probably looking at five points or the four. Obviously we'd love to go and take some of these teams apart, but I don't think that's that's the state of play. Um certainly at the moment anyway. It's definitely gonna be a you know, can we get pick up the win and just just sort of carry on through through the winter months until said players return or are sold and other players come in, shall we say? Just to yeah. quickly add as well, I think um I think what one of you's mentioned the point in the group chat, Hull have got the worst defence in the championship. So I'd be pretty annoyed if we don't get a couple of goals in this game. Worst defence, I think we have one of the best attacks as well. And obviously, Ross Stewart will hopefully be back. So I, think, I think we have the joint fourth best. Well, if you take out the top two, yeah. we've got the joint second best attack outside the... Sorry, joint uh, second best attack outside the top two places. Yeah. So, to make it sound better, third best attack. No. Yeah, no, well, okay. Fourth then, best. Yeah. 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 Can I just say... Three, worst um, defense. 
in the in the coming games, if I could just request, if we get a corner, if the referee could kindly arrange a goal kick. A goal kick, yeah. Or yeah. throw in anything. Or throw in anything, yeah. Time. I think I've just given up on scoring on a set piece now. Yeah. 96 corners it is now, I think, without a goal. I think the record is, someone said Newcastle, which is ironic. I think they went something like 370 corners without a goal, I think, over two and a half years, which is... Be careful, Newcastle, we're coming for that record. We are. There's another trophy in the bag. But yeah. that game, like, always three o'clock on... Well, not like always, because our games always seem to get moved, but unlike normal, unlike normal, I suppose, three o'clock kickoff on Saturday, a way to hold. Um, we'll have a podcast out on the Sunday discussing what happened in that game. Um, hopefully the return of Ross Stewart, which was supposed to be West Brom, whether he was going to feature on the bench or not, but that did come a little bit too soon for him. So hopefully we see him back for that game. Um, and like I said, right at the start, Dan Ballard obviously featured for under-21s um, recently. So whether he features at all in the match day squad come Saturday is yet to be seen. But like I said, we'll be back to discuss everything about that game not long after it has finished. But until then, we will see you later. That's all, folks.